Let's welcome right now the chief executive officer of your company, Mr. Dustin Hillis. How many of you are here for the very first time? You're going to make more money than you even dreamed possible this summer. But far more important than the money is the character and skill that you will develop this summer. I remember listening to Mort Utley say those words over and over and over and over again. My fifth week, my first summer. So I don't know about how a lot of you feel right now, but I remember being in your seats and my sales manager sat me down and he said, Dustin, that whole approach is pretty important and you can't get through the approach. So we need you to stay another week. So my first sell of the summer was convincing my sales manager to allow me to go sell books. So he, uh, success, I successfully made the sell and he let me go do it. And I remember going to find my headquarters and the organizational leader said, hey, we're going to give a contest. Whoever finds the first HQ wins money. And I thought, I like money. Cool. So I woke up super early. I memorized the script. And I found the very first HQ, called her up and I said, hey, I found it. She said, congratulations, how would you like to find another HQ? And I said, do you have more money? <laughs> she said, yes, I do. So I found another HQ. And after finding several HQs, I thought, okay, this is gonna be a fun summer. My very first day on the book field, I shadowed a guy named Dante Lawson. And I think God paired me with Dante on purpose. He was a Carson Newman wrestler. And we had the most fun you could have in a day. And he did 58 demos in a day. Now, these were the most awful demos you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> he would just run to a door. They'd open the door. Hi, Miss Jones, here's my book. You don't want them? Okay. And he'd go to the next door. Here's my book. You don't? Okay. And he just... I didn't know any better. It was my first day. So I thought that was normal, was doing 58 demos in a day. I went out my very first uh, day by myself. I had 40-something demos, and I thought I was slacking. And uh, I had so much fun that first week and that first year. I realized that this was the best decision that I have ever made. This is the best decision that you will make as well. And I remember, though, that that decision to come sell didn't come easy. My dad sat me down and said, hey, Dustin, after getting hurt playing football, he said, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I said, I don't know, Dad. I guess I'm going to do something with football. And he said, I think that you ought to work with Southwestern. And I said, Dad, no, 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 no. The whole selling thing is for you, not for me. And he said, well, you want that car, right? I said, yeah. He said, how are you going to pay for that car? I said, I thought you were going to pay for that car, Dad. <laughs> and he said, no. He said, you need to pay for that car. He said, I think you should go work with the company Southwestern. I said, Dad, no, 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 no. You're the sales guy. I'm the athlete. Not for me. I'm not going to do it. And he said, uh, you, ought to, you ought to try this out. And he said, I, I have seen kids their first year get checks for 20 plus thousand dollars. And I said, okay, sign me up. 
And that very first year, the decision to sell books was all about making money. You will learn more every single summer. There are new lessons to be learned. Your first summer, get on schedule. Focus on attitude. Focus on activity. Second summer, learn how to give. Learn how to pour into other people. Learn how to make it not about you. Your third summer, learn how to truly be a leader. Learn how to grow. Learn how to run an organization. With each one of those decisions you make, it is not only helping you right here, right now, it helps you forever. I didn't really know that my first summer, and I ended up my uh, first summer coming to the Sunday meeting, and I walked into the Sunday meeting, and they said, congratulations, you're on the pace setter. And I said, the what setter? And they said, yeah, you're on the pace setter. And actually, they said, uh, we need to get your order forms. And they didn't tell me why. But later, as a student manager, I realized they were uh, checking my orders to make sure they weren't fake. I, I looked back and I said, oh, uh, a pace setter means I'm number one out of all the first years. That's pretty cool. So when I got this pace setter, I formed a really bad habit my very first summer. And what I ended up doing was I looked at this, and you would think finishing number one and selling almost 300 units was pretty good. And instead, the emotion that I felt was frustration. I looked at this and I said, who is this Dave Brown? I know everybody says it's pretty good to sell 300 units, but this Dave Brown sold 700 units. He has sold twice as much as me, and I don't like it. And from that day, for the next several years, I kept comparing myself to Dave Brown. <laughs> I remember my second year, Dave was beating me so bad that I got a picture of him out of the pace setter and I drew devil horns on him <laughs> and I taped it on my steering wheel. And I would look at it every day and be like, I'm going to beat you, Dave Brown. <laughs> it wasn't until my third summer that everything changed. It started with meeting this beautiful girl. I was at a Sunday meeting, and it was like an angel descended from heaven. And I got this girl's phone number, and I started calling her, and it just so happened that this girl was the company record holder. So she had sold 18,600 plus units, and I thought, hey, not only can I call a really hot girl, but I can learn how to sell more books so I can beat Dave Brown. <laughs> Her name at the time was Kaya Grady. So it was the third summer, my third week. My goal was to break the company record. So the goal is to sell 20,000 units in 14 weeks. In order to sell 20,000 units in 14 weeks, you need to average about 1,500 units per week for 14 weeks. So my first two weeks, I wasn't even close to doing that. Um, if you looked at the averages, you would go, there's not even a chance that it was going to happen. And Dave also had the goal that year to break the company record, and he actually was tracking on the, the pace that he needed to do to break the record. So as you could imagine emotionally how that makes you feel when you have this goal and then it's like, oh, it's, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? That was all going through my head. So this was uh, Monday of the third week, and I said, that's it. 
I got myself all pumped up on Sunday and I said, I'm going to do it for the first day of my life. I am going to beat Dave Brown. And I go out and I did it. I sold 400 units in a day. I had my best day ever. I came back, turned in my stats, and I didn't actually care that I just had my best day ever. Instead, guess all I cared? What did Dave sell, right? So I called my sales manager. Dave had like 300 units that day, and I did it. I beat Dave Brown. (laughs) It was great for 24 hours. The very next day I went out and I had almost as good of a day. It was almost 400 units. My second best day of my life. I call in my stats that night and I turn them in and I didn't care it was my second best day ever. Guess all that I cared about. And so I called my sales manager and he says, Dustin, first, great job. This was an amazing day. And I said, yeah, 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 I know. But did what did Dave do today? And he said, I hate to break it to you, but he had 420 units today. And I hung up the phone and I literally felt like I had lost. I felt like defeated. And so what do you do when you feel defeated? You call the hottest girl that you know. (laughs) So I pick up the phone and I call Kaya and she answers and she's on the book field as well. And I said, you're not going to believe this. She's like, oh, what? I said, so yesterday I sold 400 units in a day. And she, on the other end, goes, okay, so what are you going to have for dinner? And I was like, apparently you didn't hear me. I sold 400 units in a day. Not a week, a day. Uh Uh-huh, okay, so what's up? I'm like, well, I'm mad. She goes, why are you mad? I said, well, today, Dave Brown also sold 400 units, and I'm just frustrated. And it was like I didn't even acknowledge anything to her. She said, okay, well, uh, whatever. And she went on and just kept talking. And I'm sitting there, and at first I'm getting frustrated. Like, do you not understand the problem with this situation? (laughs) And then I backed up and I said, okay, there's a learning lesson here. Kaya, tell me. And I was scared to ask this question. I said, what do you consider a blow it out of the water, just incredible day? And she goes, eh, 600 units. And I'm sitting on the other end going... And that is why you're the company record holder. And so then I was even more afraid to ask the next question. And I said, what is a normal day for you? And she said, ah, three or 400 units. I'm like, hence the yawning. Got it. And then I was really scared to ask her, what is a slow day for you? And she said, ah, 200 units. And in that moment, I redefined what's possible And I realized Kaya, the reason she not only broke the record once, but broke her own record, she broke the record twice, two years in a row. And back then, she was selling 18,000 units, and the next person was 10 or 11, 12,000 units. So 
she didn't have a Dave Brown in the same year that I did doing it. And I said, what drives you? What is it that motivates you? How in the world are you expecting to sell 600 units in a day? She said, it's easy. Every day I expect I'm going to do my personal dead level best. And in that moment, everything changed for me. And I learned two lessons that forever changed my life. The first one I actually wrote a book about. So Redefining Possible is all about breaking belief barriers and creating a new normal. And through talking with Kaya, I came to understand that the reality of the paradigm she lives in is that if you compete with yourself and you do your dead level best every single day, then you can constantly redefine what's possible. But it is limiting when you're comparing yourself to someone else to see whether or not you're being successful. Which brings us to point number two, which is comparison is the thief of joy. And I was the most guilty of this on the planet Earth. I was constantly comparing myself and I was losing the joy in life. So I decided in that moment, right there on that phone call with Kaya, I said, that's it. From now on, I'm not even going to think that I'm having a blow it out of water day. I'm not ever going to say the words, I did my best ever again. Because if you've done your best, then what's after your best? Nothing. So no more. I, I, I still today have not used those words since that day of calling Kaya because I still have not done my best. And then the second thing I decided is I'm never going to ask the question or care or look. And I, I'm proud for him now with what he does, but I'm never going to care and judge myself based on what Dave Brown does. And I literally just let it go. And when I let that go and I stopped caring, the very next day, I sold 556 units. That week, I ended up selling 2,084 units. And I didn't even ask the question or look that week at what Dave did for the rest of the week, for the rest of the summer. It was just my game. And I remember hearing Dan Moore talk about everybody on the planet Earth is looking for the key. Everybody's looking for the secret. And the reality is that there is no key. There is no secret. Everybody rather is a combination lock. And you have a different combination. You have a different combination. You have a different combination. And it's up to you to figure out your combination that unlocks your potential. And when you look at life that way, you stop comparing. Because one person's combination, one person's key is going to be completely different than yours. But you have the potential to do way more than you ever thought possible. There is more power in you than you even have ever dreamed of. It actually would scare you to know what your potential is when you play by these rules. So fast forward to today. Dave Brown is not how I say his name anymore. And uh, he's one of my best friends. We're business partners. Uh, also fast forward to the other character of the story. The most beautiful woman in the world is now my wife, Kaya. And she's still the most beautiful woman in the world. And she's in the back there if everybody wants to give her a big round of applause. 
So I know what you're thinking. Man, this whole Southwestern thing really has benefits. And play your cards right. You might get a best friend and a wife out of it. In order to get to that point, though, it's interesting. I travel the world. I'm always around Southwestern alumni. And you meet people that are running companies like Amazon and Google and people that have started companies that are that they sold for a billion dollars. And you meet all these people that are all over the world. And it really, truly is better, 10 times better than any fraternity on the planet Earth. And when you meet these alumni who some are billionaires, a lot of them are multi-multi-millionaires, and they're the most successful people in their town and in their city, and you're hanging out with these people. And, and what's interesting is it doesn't matter how much books they sold. There's people you'll meet when you're in a group of 50 people who, who were educational consultants, and there's going to be people who sold one year, and it doesn't matter what their units were. And there's one common denominator, though, when you meet these alumni all over the world. And you know what the common denominator is when everybody gets together and they share their stories and they talk about what they've learned and their life lessons since then? The common denominator are they didn't quit. They have respect for each other, knowing they all went through the same thing and they all made the decision to not quit. See, the alumni that quit, they don't pull together and talk about how great it was quitting. But the people that choose to go through something that is challenging, they're the ones that band together for the rest of their lives. I mean, this is who we hang out with. I mean, we have, out of our dozen best friends, over half of them we know from selling with Southwestern. And the key is, none of our friends quit. Now, the secret to that is you need to trust the process. I remember my very first year coming to Nashville. I was a piece of work coming into sales school. I'm still a piece of work. I was just much more a piece of work coming into sales school. Uh, I was uh, a partier, an athlete. Um, to give you some context, the night before sales school, I didn't go to sleep. We had a huge party. So I came to sell school on zero sleep. And I remember when people would teach the selling process, I would wake up, splash some water on my face, come up to the front row and start taking notes. And, and I remember when Dan handed the sales talk to me, I remember looking at it thinking, okay, I need to trust this process. Because I thought this sales talk is 160 years old. These words have been proven to work over and over and over and over again. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be stupid if they gave me something that doesn't work? And I said, yeah. And when I asked myself, would that be stupid? Myself said, yes, Dustin, that would be stupid. And so uh, even out of self-preservation, I realized the company has a benefit to giving me something that works. Later on in life, I came to find out that scripting, according to five psychologists that wrote a book called Crucial Conversations, they say the highest form of communication is scripting. The highest paid professionals in the world follow a script. Think of this. Everybody does. Uh, the highest paid actors, they're typically following a script. Um, the highest paid politicians, the president of the United States of America usually follows 
a script. The highest paid athletes in the world. What are athletes doing? When they're, when they're doing a play, a play is a script. So wouldn't that be ridiculous for you to not follow the script this summer? Uh, the other part of the process was just trusting your leaders. And you have the best leaders in the world. At Southwestern Consulting, we have worked with people at every different company that you can imagine. I promise you, the Southwestern leaders that are leading you this summer are world-class and as good, if not better, than any leader in any company on the planet Earth. So, are you going to trust them? They might give you advice that you don't like. They might give you advice that you don't think, when you're caught up in the moment, you're like, that's not going to work. You know, my way might be better. But when you can trust your leaders, that's being coachable. And when you can be coachable, it's a superpower. So choose to have the superpower right now, this year, for the rest of your life, to be coachable. And when you can trust a proven process and you can trust proven leaders, you will be successful. There is no finish line to your learning. There is no finish line to your growing. Uh, another thing you can trust is these companies wouldn't hire Southwestern Consulting. These companies would not have paid us if it didn't work. And do you know the content we're teaching them? You know what's in our modules that we teach them? Exactly what you have been learning this week. You know what topic blows people's minds? Self-talk. It is like... The other day I had a Southwestern person shadowing me and they were listening to me coach a millionaire. He was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And he runs a business. He has hundreds of people on his team. And we were going through the self-talk module and I said, okay, so write this down. So what's the most important thing for you is your self-talk. And he said, well, what is self-talk? And I said, it's what you say to yourself about yourself. And he goes, ooh, that's good. Can you repeat that? <laughs> and the, the Southwestern guy shadowing me started laughing out loud. And I was like, he can hear you. We're on the phone. <laughs> and I think the reason that the Southwestern guy was laughing was he learned the concept of self-talk when he was 19 years old. And then he took for granted that for the rest of his life, he assumed everybody else in the world knows this super advanced topic, this strategy, this tool that you now are equipped with, but they don't. These are advanced concepts. What is built into your sales talk? You would have to read hundreds of psychology books to understand what that sales talk is actually doing. And so uh, when you are trusting the process to know that this works, trust the script, Trust your leaders and trust other people have come before you and they've done this. They've been successful. You can also do what other people have come before you and done. Next is in order for this to be the best summer of your life, you have to have tremendous belief. Belief is the most important thing, characteristic of your life. What you believe you can do, you will do. What you believe you cannot do, 
You are exactly right. The capacity that you have to do something in a day will be exactly what you conceive your capacity is. You are defining your reality every single day. Going back to coaching multimillionaires, I know a few billionaires. And you know the difference between somebody who's a billionaire and somebody who is not a billionaire? Their belief and the ability to have a long-term perspective and to believe that vision is going to become a reality. So I started uh, studying psychology and came to understand that there's three types of confidence. There's false confidence, conditional confidence, and unconditional confidence. And what I realized was I spent a lot of my life exhibiting false confidence. And what false confidence is, is where you say you're going to do something. You say you're going to be amazing. You talk a big game and you have no action and no evidence to back it up. That is false confidence. And there's a lot of people walking around talking a big game, you know, I'm the man, I'm the woman, I'm going to break the record, I'm going to do... Do you know how many times I've heard I'm going to break the record? You don't want to know. And then they don't take the action and they don't put in the effort to actually do it. False confidence. Then there is conditional confidence. Conditional confidence are the people who say, hey, I know I can do this, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to judge myself by my results. So conditionally confident people base their confidence on results. I would say 90% of the world is walking around in conditional confidence. So when the world is good, when life is good, when things are easy, when results are happening, when the sun is shining, then they feel good about it and they say, I must be doing good. And then they have more confidence as a result of the results. That is conditional confidence. What we want to strive, starting right now, and defining, redefining possible for the rest of your life is to have unconditional confidence. And this is my definition of unconditional confidence. I do not expect success all the time, but due to my beliefs and my God-given talents and abilities, I can be fearless in the moment. See, fear is an interesting thing. Fear is a choice. There are books written about people who were in prison and dying. And even in the face of death, they chose to not have fear. You can have courage no matter the circumstances. You can have courage even if you're afraid. But choosing to be fearless in the moment is something you can do over and over and over again. That's how I actually define bravery. Bravery is being afraid and doing it anyways. That's bravery. So my self-worth has nothing to do with an outcome. So when the pressure comes, I can be fearless, knowing sometimes I'll do well and sometimes I won't. So sometimes you're going to have a great day. Sometimes you're not. You might have a day where you sell nothing. You might have a day where you sell 200 units in a day. And if you can treat the zero day 
the same way that you treat a 200-unit day, you are winning the game. That is unconditional confidence. When all you care about is regardless, I know failure is temporary and success will always happen through faith and perseverance. So faith without action is dead. So you need to to take action. So 30 demos a day, that is a barometer that you can have confidence in. It's a controllable. You can control your attitude. You can control your schedule. You can control your activity. If you check those three boxes every single day, you are doing this. It doesn't even matter how much you sell. You are becoming the person who will be an unstoppable force. And I don't care if you sell 100 units this entire summer or you sell 20,000 units this summer. If you choose to live by this quote, you will have become a better person that can impact the world in a more positive way. Now, in order to actually achieve this, you have to have focus. I've given speeches all over the world, Singapore, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, Colombia, Canada, all over the U.S. And I love asking the question, by a show of hands, how many of you think your, your number one skill is focus? Do you know how many times I get somebody to raise their hand when I ask that question? Hardly ever. I think I've had one or two hands that, that honestly, I believe them when they raise their hand. Isn't that amazing? That if you interviewed thousands of people, nobody would tell you, my strength is my focus. See, we live in a world of distraction. Actually, in Sung Tzu's book, The Art of War, what he says, if you want to conquer anybody, first distract them, then, then divide them, then conquer them. That is the art of war. And do you think this summer there's going to be some distractions? I'd say so. And if you choose to be focused, it is within your control. Nothing can, can take your focus away when you choose to harness it. Now, coming from somebody that was labeled with ADHD in college, this is a topic that I am very passionate about. And growing up with slight dyslexia and struggling with my grades, finally I just said, something's going on. And I actually went and got tested. And sure enough, they're like, yep, you're ADHD. Here's some Adderall. Congratulations. There you go. So I started taking it. And when I first started taking it, I was like, this is awesome. I can study all night. And, you know, this is, I'm like Superman on this. I was down in Savannah driving home. And I, uh, my friend was driving. I was in the passenger seat sleeping with a, a seatbelt on. And we stopped in traffic and we got rear-ended by a car going 70 miles an hour. Our car started doing a 360. The car that hit us was doing a 360. It hit on the back side of the car on my side. It hit on the side of the car on my side. And it hit on the front. It had a motorcycle and the motorcycle hit on the front of the car. While we were doing a 360, glass uh, showered over my head. I got thrown into my seatbelt. I broke my thumb on the dashboard. And uh, when I came, came to, we actually stupidly did not accept the paramedics because so much adrenaline was going through our body. And uh, upon kind of calming down, our, our friend's mom said, you guys should go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and 
uh, started uncontrollably convulsing. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. The doctors were testing me. And they said, yeah, we don't know what's wrong with you. You're healthy. You're fine. You're going to have some bruising. Your thumb's broken, but you're fine. But I, can't, I couldn't stop convulsing. Every night when I went to bed for the next year, I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, so I came to later find out that's uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And uh, I started actually having a temper that I didn't normally have and would get into fights and arguments and it was getting weird. And I, it took me a while to put two and two together that when I was taking Adderall combined with these events, it, it would trigger, it would trigger the everything. So I flushed the Adderall and I decided I was just going to have to learn how to focus all on my own. And I did it. I actually just sat down and told myself, I can focus. And I started creating affirmations around actually saying, I not only focus, I hyper-focus. And the result of that was that semester, I had my best GPA that I've ever had. Um, I actually learned about audiobooks, and I started learning that if I heard something once, I could retain it faster due to some of this uh, disability. And I, I learned new learning methods that actually adapted the focus. Now, Southwestern provides you with tools that teaches you about focus. When you can take these tools, they actually harness your power. Focus creates power. I was in Boy Scouts as a kid and learned that you can actually take a magnifying glass, harness the power of the sun, and it creates fire. Has anybody ever done this before? This summer, you're going to have a similar experience with different tools. So your magnifying glass is the goal card. And this is a focusing tool that if you choose to use it like the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts know how to do, you can literally magnify your efforts to create fire. Now the sun that goes into the magnifying glass is your activity. And there's an abundance of sun there's an abundance of activity, and it's how much activity do you want to put into this that's going to get magnified to create your fire? See, the numbers never lie. So if you decide, I'm going to do 30 demos a day, I'm going to work 80 hours a week, I'm going to do 20 sit-downs, or how many ever sit-downs, I'm going to get X amount of customers, You then it just becomes a big math formula. You can compute what your goals are, and you can focus them and that is something that can create unconditional confidence. You're taking your focus and you're magnifying it down with a focusing tool called the goal card. This is advanced. There is so much built into what a goal card actually psychologically is doing. A trigger, a focusing tool, and a mechanism to quantify my activity to actually output my results. If you don't, if you're a nerd like me, it's fun to know all those things. Uh, another way to basically look at a goal card is think of it as like playing golf and it's your scorecard playing golf. And if you're wanting to improve your golf game, wouldn't it be dumb to not keep score? It would, it would be ridiculous, right? Like there's no way you would improve your score if you weren't keeping score. So use your goal card, keep score so you can improve your score. Understanding that your concentration is defined as the action or power of focusing one's attention or mental effort. 
when you think of your mental effort, um, there's actually only so many mental calories that you have in 24 hours. So what you think about, you will bring about. You become what you think about all day long. It is true that what you spend your mental calories on will get attracted to you. It's the law of attraction. The law of attraction, what you concentrate on and you put your mental energy into will happen, whether you like it or not. So if you focus on bad things and you're thinking about bad things all day, guess what happens? Bad things. If you're thinking about good things and what's going to happen and who's next and today's a great day and you're actually literally doing the things you learned in sales school, guess what ends up happening? Good things. Now, the reality is everybody probably has the same amount of stuff happening to them. But when you're thinking about the good things, you notice the good things. When you're thinking about the bad things, you notice the bad things. Your concentration is what makes the difference. So what are you going to choose to concentrate on this summer? Are you going to choose to concentrate on the person you're becoming? Or are you going to concentrate on all the other crazy things in this world? Because there's plenty of things to distract you, but you get to choose what you concentrate on. Tony Robbins said it best. Most people have no idea the giant capacity we have to immediately command when we focus all of our resources on mastering a single area of our lives. I love the movie, The Last Samurai. Tom Cruise is uh, walking through the land of samurai and he sees samurais in the field with their swords perfectly fencing. He sees the archers in, in the field perfectly hitting their shot. He sees people doing their uh, chores and they're perfectly executing their chores. Everybody seems to be in harmony. Everybody seems to have peace. And he walks up to Master Yadamoko and says, how in the world is everybody so happy and has so much joy? And he said, it's simple. We don't focus on what we're doing. We focus on the process and who we're becoming. That is the way of the samurai. And that is what you get to experience this summer if you choose the way of the samurai. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be doing anything. But when you choose to develop yourself and enjoy the process and enjoy the journey, that is what makes the difference. Now, in order to tie all this together, vision is the glue. Vision is the fuel. Vision is how you get through anything. So when you think of your vision, what comes to your mind? That's a good place to start. Do you have a vision? I like to imagine that there is a literal eye in your head that is seeing things that is your mind's eye. And as clear as you can see things in your mind, it will clearly be your reality into the future. So that's the definition of vision. Vision is seeing something that hasn't happened yet. Can you see what hasn't happened yet for you? Let's start with next week. What is the end of, what is the end of your first day going to look like? As clear as a picture as you can paint, how are you going to feel? How, what are you going to say to your roommates when you walk into the door? At the end of the first week, when you walk into that Sunday meeting, who are you going to give the high five to? Who are you going to just say, yeah, wasn't that amazing? 
What story are you going to tell about a, a mom and a kid that you positively impacted their life? At the end of the summer, when you're in Nashville, are you going to walk up to me or Dan or somebody here in Nashville and give them a fist bump and say, I, I did my dead level best. I, I left it on the field. There was nothing left. I dropped the mic and I'm going to just give you a fist bump and just say, yeah, that's what it's about. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you smell it? That's vision. Now, the most powerful visionaries are the ones that can take their mind's eye farther out into the future. There are people physically in this room right now that have 30-year goals. Going back to those billionaires that I met, guess what those billionaires had and have? 30-year goals or 50-year goals. Nothing great has ever been done without a compelling long-term vision. When you start right now, with saying, I am going to create a compelling long-term vision for myself, it forever will change your life. And if you don't do that, you get stuck in the muck. You're just on the hamster wheel. You're just going to wait and react to what life gives you. And there's a lot of stuff to react to. There's a lot of stuff life's going to give you, and you're just going to react to it. Or you're going to have a long-term vision, and all the stuff that most people get really upset about it's going to look like little bitty speed, little bitty ant hills that you're just stepping over and everybody else can't even see past them. That's the power of a strong long-term vision. Your endurance is in direct proportion to your vision. The other day I was on a conference call and there was a bunch of leaders on the call. We were creating a new strategy and it was going to take work. It was going to take effort. It wasn't going to be easy. And one of the leaders on the call said, Dustin, I know this is a great idea. I know this is going to work, but I got to tell you, I'm just so tired. And I didn't say this out loud, but what I was thinking was, well, do you need a nap? And then when you wake up, we can talk more. Because if you were tired and it was literally tired, then taking a nap would solve the problem, right? So when people say they're so tired or they're burned out or whatever the emotion is, typically they're not they don't have a tired problem, they have a vision problem. When people don't have endurance, it's not typically, your body can do a lot more than you think it can do. But usually it's the champions, it's the Michael Jordans, it's the people that do things that just blow our minds, that have the most endurance. And a lot of times it's not because they're the best athlete, it's because they're the best visionaries. So if you want to overcome any obstacle you're going to face this summer, focus on your vision. Focus on your mission. Focus on your values. Focus on why you signed up to be in this room today and never forget it. When you do that, nothing can stop you. You are an unstoppable force. Now, at some point, a critical thing will happen that determines not only this summer, but potentially a habit for the rest of your life. My first summer, I had an event happen where I wanted to quit. I was in the backwoods of Missouri, driving around. I was going through a long driveway. I went to a house, knocked on the door. They weren't home. Turned back around this gravel driveway. I was in a canopy of woods, and I got my fifth flat tire for the summer. So I had learned a lesson by this point because I was calling in my stats at night and when I wouldn't get 30 demos in a day, my sales manager would say, well, what happened? And I would say, I got a flat tire. And he said, well, 
uh, after about the third or fourth time, he said, hey, if you keep getting these flat tires, you can either make an excuse or you can find a way. I said, huh, that's a great idea. He said, well, what are you doing when you're uh, getting these flat tires? I said, well, I'm calling AAA and waiting for AAA. He said, can't you just change the tire? And I was like, you're so brilliant. And so <laughs> I went to Walmart and I bought a stopwatch and I started timing myself changing the tire. So on this particular day, here I was, Backwoods, Missouri, and I got a flat tire. So I actually decided every time I get a flat tire, I'm going to get excited. And so uh, I also had a piece of paper where I, wrote, I started writing down the times, how long it took me to change the tire. So I grabbed the stopwatch, clicked the timer, and I would jump out of the car and I started changing the tire. And uh, needless to say, this was not my NASCAR pit crew record-breaking time for changing tires. And it took longer than uh, normal. So I'm putting the boxes back into the car, loading it up. And all of a sudden, I look at the box, and it looks like the paper on the box is crawling. And I think, that's odd. So I'm putting more boxes into the car. And all of a sudden, I look down, and it looks like the hairs on my skin are melting off of my arm. I thought, that's odd. And I come to closer inspect, and I was completely covered in ticks. The big ones the little ones, the grandpas, the babies. Hundreds of ticks, head to toe, covered. What did I do? I did the same thing that all of you would have done. I freaked out. I stripped down butt naked. <laughs> threw my clothes in the back of the car. I jumped in the car, started driving down the road, picking ticks off, throwing them out the window, freaking out. I, I went to the only gas station. The only building in my turf was a gas station. So I pulled into the gas station and there were people all around. I opened the door and I'm like, wait a minute. And I closed the door. I grabbed my pants, throw them back on. I run across the gravel driveway and uh, bare feet, no shirt. I open the door. There's a lady in the corner and she goes, son, what are you doing? I said, lady, I've got ticks. She goes, good God, the bathroom's that way. So I run, I grab a razor and rubbing alcohol. I'm like, okay, this is great. And I go to the bathroom and it just hits me. This is insane. <laughs> I, I just had this overwhelmed feeling of going, I don't care how much money I'm making. This is ridiculous. I'm going to quit. And, and I just looked at myself in the eyes and it, I had flashbacks to sell school. And I remember my sales manager saying, at some point this summer, you're going to want to quit. And I committed to my sales manager, I wasn't going to do it. And then before we went out that first day, my team set us, we all sat down, and we made a commitment together as a team that we weren't going to quit. And I committed to my team, we weren't going to quit. But most importantly, was on that drive to sales school that I told you about, where I didn't sleep the night before, I was in a gas station and was still getting over from the night before and I looked at myself in the mirror before getting to sell school and I committed to myself that I was going to make something of myself and I didn't care how hard this job was. I was not going to give up on myself. So I took the razor and the rubbing alcohol and I started shaving the ticks off. And when you throw ticks into a sink, it looks like hair, but then it crawls off. Got them all the best that I could off of me and I finished the day 
And, and needless to say, that wasn't my best day of the summer, but it was the most important day because after going through that and making the decision to not quit, I could make it through anything. It became a confidence anchor. Nothing is more important in your life than the confidence anchor of the moment when you want to quit and you decide to not quit. I've gone back to this moment in my mind hundreds of times, and there has been much bigger things I wanted to quit at. I hate to break the news to you, but this summer is not going to be the hardest thing you do in your entire life. Regardless of what you might have heard from somebody, selling books might be the hardest thing you've done so far in your life, but that's just because you're young. Keep living and it gets harder. I promise. And it's worth every minute. But the habit that you make, quitting is a habit and so is winning. And it will stick with you for the rest of your life. It's the most important decision you will make today that you will commit to for the rest of your life. Do not quit. See, quitting is an interesting thing. You can quit on a year. You can quit on a summer. You can quit on a week. You can quit on a day. You can quit on a demo sitting in somebody's house. You can mentally check out and you can give up on a demo. But when you choose to kill the quit that's naturally in you, you will be unstoppable. The reason I know that quitting is a natural event is uh, our daughter Haven played soccer Several years ago, it was her first year playing soccer. My wife and I are in the stands watching the soccer game. And halfway through the first period, Haven comes storming off the field, says, I quit. Kai and I are in the stands. We look at her. We both stand up at the same time and we say, get back on that field, young lady. She goes back on the field. And uh, then, then at the half, uh, I pull her over and I say, Haven, so what's going on? She said, Dad, I quit. I said, okay, well, why? She said, it's not fair. I said, well, what's not fair? She said, losing. Losing's not fair. I said, okay, I get, uh, uh, losing's not fun, sure, and life's not fair, sure. And I pointed over at her team. I said, you see your team over there? She looked at her team. I said, you committed to your team. You're going to play soccer this summer. Are you going to quit on your team? She looked at her team and she said, no. And I pointed over at her coach and I said, you see your coach over there? You committed to your coach that you're going to finish playing soccer this this season. Are you going to uh, quit on your coach? <laughs> no. And I pointed at her and I said, Haven, more importantly, you committed to yourself that you were going to finish playing soccer this season. Are you going to quit on yourself? And she said, no. <laughs> and she goes, dad, losing just makes me so angry. And I said, I get it. Losing makes me angry too. But you can harness that emotion and use that emotion to win. When you're angry, it can actually be something you focus into the reason you win. And I saw her wheels turning when I said that. And uh, she got up. She ran over to her coach. And all on her own, she figured out that if she played goalie, she could stop them from scoring and win. Ah, proud dad moment. <laughs> so the question for you is, are you all in? Right now, right here, today, are you in? There is no halfway. 
There is no one foot in, one foot out. You're either in or you're out. And when you're all in, it feels good. When you're all in and you're committed, you have no doubt. When you're all in, you become unstoppable. Everything melts away. I have a friend in Hollywood who's a producer on major movie sets. One day we were out to eat, and, I, and he said, Dustin, you know what's interesting? Business is no different than acting. I said, how's that? He said, you know the difference between the A-list actors, the Brad Pitts and the people that you would know, and the B-list actors that you've never heard of? And I said, what's that? He said, the A-list actors have no plan B. They come to Hollywood and they are all in. This summer is no different. You need to burn the boats, have no plan B. This is it. And when you are all in, when the inevitable happens, and at some point, Mr. Mediocrity is going to creep up on your shoulder, and whether you want to call him the devil, Mr. Mediocrity, or whatever it is, there will be a whisper in your ear at some point. There's going to be some event, something's going to happen where the devil will whisper in your ear, you are not strong enough to withstand the storm. And when you choose to be all in, when you choose to focus, when you choose to have belief, you will look at the devil and you will say right back, I am the storm. Thank you very much. <laughs>